Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PB Army, ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN.com, joined by Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN and 1500ESPN.com. We are down in the posh, uh, austere... Hubbard, I guess not austere. Austere is the other word I'm looking for. Austere would be bad. Austere is bad. The posh and, and very fancy. We'll just go with simple. Uh, <laughs> Hubbard building cafeteria today. Uh, our, our usual conference room is being taken by Phil Mackey. So we are uh, down here to talk about a fairly busy slate of Vikings news, a fairly bu- busy menu to keep the cafeteria theme going. Uh, guys, we'll get right into it uh, after my long intro that probably is not getting right into it, but we'll get to, into it from here. Teddy Bridgewater. Posts a video on his Instagram account yesterday of what appeared to be him, and we'll say appeared because we couldn't see his face, but probably him, uh, throwing a ball in Florida to a receiver like in a park or something. I think you'd see a a swing set in the background almost. But um, easy throw, didn't have to drive or anything like that. But uh, the fact that he's throwing I think is significant, especially when the Vikings have said, well, he's running on a treadmill, he's doing non-weight-bearing things. They haven't really said that he's throwing. So question for both of you as we get started is what do we make of this number one and number two why is it that we seem to be getting still this thing from the Vikings hey nobody knows I I mean there's obviously a lot of milestones that we have to clear here before he's ready to go but uh, does it seem at all like there's a little bit of a, a, a difference of messaging there a little well the timing was interesting to me because one day before he posted his throwing video mike zimmer had said oh he's only running in a pool or something like that on xm Sirius radio interview and then bridgewater comes right back out is it like sending a message to the fans hey what they're telling you isn't exactly the truth is it just a coincidence did he really see what mike zimmer had said or not or just wanted to 
put something out there to let everybody know where he's at. I mean, this is uh, peak millennial, right? I mean, yeah. to, to have to let everyone know via a coded social media message. It kind of reminds me when DeAndre Jordan of the Clippers was sending emojis out to try and give hints at what was going on, whether he was returning to the Clippers. You yeah. remember that? So it's like Teddy Bridgewater's doing the same thing. Our jobs have become much more hilarious in this way to try and track down what people are posting on Instagram videos. But that was the part that stuck out to me as far as his rehab. I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from it. It's a very light toss, yep. and it doesn't put a whole lot of weight on it. It's a robo leg that's uh, on him right now. I mean, he's got this big, giant uh, cast on. It was on. a sizable so, brace. So what do I? What can I really take away? Because when I think about Dante Culpepper, Marcus Lattimore, those are the two guys that kind of come to mind for me right away when it's a super severe knee injury. And Lattimore came all the way back and was in camp with the San Francisco 49ers, but could never really actually come back. Yeah. So we won't know, I think, for still a very long time whether he can play quarterback again. But, you know, light tossing of football, I guess we know that he can do that. Yeah. I find it very intriguing, too, uh, to, to find out that because my, my assumption was that because the injury was so severe that he, he would spend the majority of the offseason up here working. Yeah. I find it very interesting now to find out that he's actually coming up here, what, once a month? Apparently it's, it's one week a month that he's okay. here, and then I don't know how much time Eric Sugarman is down there, but I think – a fair amount of the time. I mean, I think it's at least once a month that Eric Sugarman is I'm down there. I don't Chi- think he's at a health south I'm place. S- I'm seeing a Chinese restaurant <laughs> and, a ship, and a strip mall, as Childers said. But uh, I wonder, too, is during the season when, when he was in the building, it was interesting to me that, that Teddy was very much in lockstep with the mm-hmm. team. I mean, you guys requested him a thousand times and saw him a bunch, and at every turn he wouldn't talk about his, his progress. And the PR department wanted him to do it, too. They asked him several and times. We, but we all know that, that when you aren't around a person that you're in a relationship with or an employer as much, there can some friction can start be, because of the absence. And I do find it very curious now that I'm guessing that, that one day after Zim went on and talked about the fact that he's doing basically non-weight-bearing training, I'm guessing that they aren't a big fan of him coming out the next day and posting that. Yeah. So I just, to go back to Ben, what, what you brought up, I think, on our last podcast, too, is the whole dynamic to me I find really intriguing, which is Bridgewater and Zimmer are very much, they're very much together. They're joined. Yes. Spielman, on the other hand, might be joined with Bridgewater, but also might be joined with Bradford. And we all know the offensive coordinator and Bradford are attached at the hip. I just wonder if we're sort of in the beginning of a little bit of friction of who's the quarterback here and Teddy saying, hey, I'm still alive and well. Uh, it's it's just it's the timing of this whole thing is very curious because if Bridgewater really wanted it known um, months ago or a month ago, yeah. he very easily could have talked to you guys at the end end of the season and said, "Okay, here's my plan." Or when he he's up here, if he's up here for a week, yeah. get everybody together once to do so a hey, here's is, a check in, which they said they were going to do I and just, they haven't done. I just get the sense that we're going to enter a phase now of trying to attach. Bradford to this guy and Bridgewater to that guy. And Bridgewater might be saying, I'm in a position now where I at least want people to know I'm alive well and can at least throw a football. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I mean, all of this, where this goes, is sort of downwind from the trade, right? I mean, because they make that trade thinking, okay, we have a chance to win a Super Bowl. They're, and they're thinking at the time when they make the trade for Bradford. 
and we'll worry about the rest as we go. I mean, they said at the time that the fact that Bradford was signed for 2017 was going to be part of the reason that they wanted him, and I, I still think that is the case. But we still, we still do sort of have this, like, we're proceeding on two different tracks with two guys that we might treat as our franchise quarterback, whether it's signing Sam Bradford to an extension, they're going to have to make a decision on Teddy Bridgewater's fifth-year option in about a month. I think the first couple of days of May they have to make a decision on that, and that you can get out from under that you know, in the, in the coming months after it, but it, it will be interesting to see what they do there, and, and you still have this sort of two-person strategy of who's going to be your guy. It's with, especially with two guys that you spent first round picks on, it's all very interesting. And I know that they didn't plan to be in this boat, but when you make the trade for Bradford, to me, in some ways, it says this is our guy now, and it still seems like they're trying to have their their cake and eat it too a little bit with two, the whole thing. Two things that stick out to me with this are one, all the all the contract complications of this mm-hmm. situation. I mean that that is if both guys were just under contract for a while, we would just sit and wait and see how it played out. Yep. But the fact is you have to make decisions on both of them. You've got to decide on a fifth year option, which you reported is very likely, right? That they're going to pick it up. I, I don't know. Somewhat that, likely. Yeah, I I mean some of that is me kind of just reading tea leaves. But okay. yeah, I think I think there's no reason not to. And if you the the flip side is you don't pick it up, he's a free agent after the year, and then you may not really know what you have by that point, mm-hmm. and then you have no leverage against Bradford because you don't have anybody signed otherwise. Right, and then there's the Bradford situation, which the Vikings could approach the same way Washington has dealt with Kirk Cousins, which yeah. to me they are like the same tier of quarterback. They're not the same yeah. exact quarterback. One's got way more arm talent. The other one's got a little more gumption. But for the same the same shortcomings, they're both 8-8 eight and eight quarterbacks, more or less, right? It's a messy way to handle your quarterback. So it just... certainly is, and it's not great for your cap situation either no, because not. then you've got to spend $25 million on your cap for a one-year Bingo. contract. Yes. That's important, like that. too. There, the other part of that, and uh, you could talk about that if you want to, but something that's really fascinating to me is – again, following our millennials, to see who retweeted his little video and said, there you go, Teddy, that's our boy, or whatever, right? five. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there were a few players that retweeted him, and He's... what would be really interesting to me is if Bridgewater shows signs of being back yeah. and there are players in the locker room to go along with coach and GM that might not be on the same page, but players in the locker room where it could be split into a, Team Bradford, Team Teddy. A one-word phrase back from your time on the beat, Judd, that uh, perhaps would be apt in describing that situation. Are you talking about a schism? I am talking about a schism. There could be. So So what you're t- telling me now is that back in the day, of course, the Vikings denied a schism occurred yes. at all, but now you're talking about a real one. I could see that. I, I'm... T- I'm fairly convinced that if this continues down the path they're going, that that it might not be fatal by any means, but it's going to create a divide. It's going to create a divide. But I think, Ben, you keep bringing up the best point, which is your now your offense, because your your coach can love Teddy as much as, as he wants. He's still a defensive guy. Yes. I think your point is your offensive coordinator, the guy who you now entrust to run your offense, yeah. Is the guy that basically told Rick pull the trigger on the Bradford trade? Yes. Rick gave up a first and fourth round pick. That's a lot. Yep. And so, are you really going to come back now and be like, "Hey, guess what, Pat? We're going to let Sam walk, and we're going to let T- Teddy come back in." And Teddy's not going to be at one hundred percent for another, I don't know, year or so. Yeah. But you know, so this whole thing really has the ability. The Vikings are going to have to be very smart here. Yeah. And if they handle it right, they'll be fine. But if we get 
infighting and arguments among players in the locker room, among Zimmer and Spielman and your OC. And, I mean, we've seen, listen, we saw an offensive coordinator walk before, so it can happen. You're going to have real problems, and they can't afford that. Well, the thing, it's interesting with the Shermer thing. I mean, part of the reason that the offensive coordinator walked is that you had another guy in here saying, well, we, we like your ideas, but we want to listen to his too. And then that offensive coordinator kind of said, well, okay, but I feel undermined by that. I mean, I, I don't feel like you're listening to my ideas that I have full autonomy over my offense. Well, and don't you think – I think that Turner put up with the Shermer hire because Teddy was still going to be the quarterback. Yeah, and so, I think And so he's thinking to himself, okay, but this is still my baby. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind, too, Norv's the one that went to the private workout for Teddy yes. and said, draft him. So I think things were hunky-dory until Bridgewater's knee blows up. Right. And then all of a sudden Shermer's – in the office all night with Spielman saying, make the trade, make the trade. And at that point, I think that's where uh, Norv completely lost control and quickly realized, i got to get out of here. There's so many organizational politics with quarterback decisions. It's always fascinating to me because he's not just a quarterback. It's never just a quarterback. It's about the face of your franchise, the guy that sets the tone in your locker room, the guy that is an extension of the coaching staff, the guy that is working on the game plan with the, the offensive coordinator every week. I mean, a, a quarterback in so many ways, I mean, there's a reason they get paid like they do and they get as much attention as they do because so much of the tone for your team is set by that guy. And it is going to be really, really interesting because you ask, you say they got to handle it the right way. What is the right way to handle this? I mean, do we, do we know what that is? I mean, Make do a you, unified decision. Yes, you have to do that. But and, and to me... Decision. If you're going to make a unified decision right now, it has to be Sam Bradford's our guy because we just don't know with Teddy yet. I mean, and maybe you play it out and, and you have Teddy as a luxury and you can trade him. If, but if Teddy had broken his leg, I'd be much more on the fence here and be like, "Well, it's broken leg, sure. heel, like him. Sure, his knee blew up. His leg basically exploded. Yeah. If you decide that Mike you're going to, I was talking this morning about how Eric Sugarman saved his leg. I yes. Mean, if you are going to put your eggs in that basket right now, you're crazy. You yeah. trade it for Bradford, he's your guy. That would be move my... Up, move on. If Teddy develops and goes somewhere else, that's fine. But his leg blew up. Yeah, that would be my approach, too. But, I mean, like you mentioned, Judd, that Teddy's a very popular guy in that locker room. Sam Bradford, I think, is has become a guy that's well-respected. But Teddy's personality, at least what players see, not as much as maybe what we see publicly, but I mean, he's, he's a likable guy and, and I think a guy that, that people have enjoyed getting to know. So it is, and he's the age of a lot of those guys and they've spent time with him. It's going to be interesting to see, like you said, kind of how that all plays out and uh, and where everything goes there. But yeah, Ma- Matthew, I, I know that you've certainly had your critiques of Sam Bradford. Uh, I would not say that you are the biggest Sam Bradford fan in the world. You're not sitting at home with a with a purple jersey and I heart Sam <laughs> button on it on the, you know, like the, the swim mom that's got the Sam Bradford button. Uh, I I would not say that you're sitting at home on the weekends with those. What do you think is the right way to play this year? Um, well, I I would Maybe say nothing to decide yet. I I think you have to wait as long as possible. Sure. Because if Teddy Bridgewater is back at 100. percent for me, Teddy Bridgewater is my quarterback. Okay. I think he's better than Sam Bradford. Yep. 
And I think there are things that Bradford does. I think if we were having a contest of who could throw a 45-yard bomb dead mm-hmm. on the money more, we would land on Sam Bradford easily. If we were talking about win probability and who gets you closer to winning with the way they play, which means converting third downs, which means making extra play with your legs, yep. which has to be part of this conversation we have to too. see that he can do that. Pocket presence, mm-hmm. late game situations. I mean, I think there's a reason why Teddy Bridgewater is loved because teammates love a guy who could put a team on his back at the end of a game and go win. And, and as Mike Zimmer has always said with Teddy, he wins. Every level he's been at, he wins. And I was looking at it last night. On third downs and in situations where the Vikings were down one score, mm-hmm. Bridgewater's numbers were spectacular. Yep. I mean, Two he was eight. averaging like nine yards a pass. Yep when they're down by one score. So there's a reason why people think that. And plus his age is such a big factor, too. I mean, you're talking about five-year difference between the two. So if he's at 100%, you would take, even if you have them both as third-tier quarterbacks, you would still say, well, Bridgewater doesn't have that much experience and has the potential to move up to a second-tier quarterback and was the leader of an 11-win team. And he got robbed of touchdowns. They gave the ball. I looked this up. They gave the ball to Adrian Peterson every time they're inside yeah, the 10. Yeah. It's not like Matt Stafford who's getting fat touchdown numbers on throws inside the 10 right. to Megatron, right? I mean, Teddy he ends- forced some throws, too, and scared him off. Yeah, I think that's right. That's no, so he did force he is, The Rudolph he is, one in Atlanta. He is flawed, though. I mean, he's, he does not have the strongest arm. Down the field is a problem. But if all things are equal, then I go with Bridgewater, which for me would mean... I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, knowing that the last resort, if I absolutely have to keep Sam Bradford, I can franchise tag him. One more thing on this, sorry to go on, is the regression point. Sam Bradford, before last year, had a career quarterback rating of 81. Sure. Last year, it's 98. I mean, if you're a baseball fan, you cover the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Ben, if a I'm not player, sure I would call that baseball, but if, at least yeah, when I was the, covering them, they were pretty at darn the time, bad. Let's say Jose Vidro had a uh, 320 batting yeah. average and was a career 260 hitter. Would you be writing, he'll keep hitting 320? Or would you say, hmm, think that's going to regress a bit? Yeah, I, I would be writing that it's going to regress. And I, I think we had, I remember covering Niger Morgan when he hit like 350 in a, in a half of a season with the Nats. And then, he, what a clown. Like, <laughs> yes, I, I have never had an ath- I have never had an athlete where I had a more open beef with that player yeah. than Nigel Morgan. Like we did not hit it off. I don't think I've ever really had an athlete that I've had like a a big beef where like we both knew it. I mean, probably have athletes that don't like me. That I'm just not aware of it. But there's some Vikings out here. That I'm like sure you. there are. But uh, sources say there. Yeah, are. I'm, I'm sure that's probably true. But uh, <laughs> of course, like, probably not with the team anymore. So yeah, well. th- those players probably moved on. Maybe. Um, Broadcasting. <laughs> oh, I see where you're going. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, you know, regression, state uh, of regression. No one cares about your job. Is not to understand my job, <laughs> Judd. Your job is to report on my job. Um, like four people will get that, but whatever. Um, yes, re- I remember writing with Niger Morgan that he was probably going to regress because you're not going to hit 351 when you've been a lifetime 260 hitter. And, you know, baseball, obviously, it's a little easier to, to see that stuff coming because of the number of sample sizes and the number of things that are sort of controllable in the sense that it's basically a one-on-one game. But, yeah, you would have to, to make that argument as well. And, and Sam, uh, Sam, Matthew, I'm with you in the sense that there is still more upside with Teddy. The, the problem, though, is that are all things equal? Can we get to a point where we can put it in a vacuum? Because you may not know 
for a long time, and and until you franchise Bradford, and you you have to pay all that money, and then let's do this. It still isn't great. I mean, let's Kirk Cousins is not happy. Let's solve this problem for 2017 because this team is going to go in, or they should, yeah, with expectations. Okay. The reality of 2017 is Bradford is your quarterback. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe pie in the sky, nine weeks in Bridgewater can start to play. I don't know. But anyway, on the pop, right? if you're going to solve this pop. thing, if, if the Vikings are going to be intelligent and solve this thing, the question becomes, how do you get the most out of Bradford and keep everybody as happy as possible? This starts with going to Teddy and saying, we're not going to silence you now. We want update. We want you to give updates on how you're doing. We care about you. In fact, you might be our future, but we know that the future for 2017 is going to be Sam. So, so we don't want to play this game of cat and mouse where where you agree not to talk for three weeks and then in week four you're like people have forgotten about me. So we're going to have you talk X amount of times. Rehab updates. You'll be happy. Go to Bradford. You are our guy for 2017. Because my point is, if the Vikings were a rebuilding franchise, for instance, yeah. you might be able to get by with, with, with a half-ass, well, we're going to do this and that, and Teddy, because you're thinking long-term, Bridgewater's c- coming back. So my point is, let's take the muzzle off Bridgewater. Let's not, because uh, clearly they didn't want him But I don't think he's been muzzled, to, though. I don't think well, that's a problem. Well, then let's, it, They've asked him to then, talk, and he okay, hasn't wanted to do it. Then let's encourage him to talk. Okay. But my point is... What you want to do here, I think, is keep right both parties as happy as possible yeah. during a season in which expectations are going to be there. This isn't going to be a feel-good, man, we won seven games. This is going to be a, no, you collapsed last year, and if you collapse again, people are probably going to get fired. Well, if they win seven games again, there's going to be a lot of interesting Correct. conversations at the end is, of the season. So let's, let's look well, then a decision will be made on Bradford already. That if they, is true. If he can only win seven games, then he's done. Like He is not the future quarterback. Well, and, and they're going to have to find somebody else. Whether he, whether the people making the decisions now are making the decisions, well, depending on how many games they win. But my point is, for those people, let's come to a resolution that puts you in the best position possible to keep people happy so they're good employees and they can win football sure. games. Isn't sure. it a little awkward, though, with Sam Bradford? Like, okay, I, Dak Prescott overcame this just fine with mm-hmm. Tony Romo staring at him the whole time. But with Sam Bradford, even toward the end of last year, every game there'd be pictures of Teddy Bridgewater with his teammates and everything else. Like Bridgewater's presence there alone for Bradford has to be really uncomfortable. Like, guys, I mean, Stefan Diggs wrote on the Players' Tribune how Bridgewater, his attitude was inspiring to the team, and he was still a leader. And this is one of the things that's been kind of a criticism of Sam Bradford. It's really hard to say for us whether he was a great leader or not last year when things were falling apart. But, I mean, this has been sort of one of his criticisms. It's always, boy, you can really throw that pigskin. But other than that, eh, not so much. Uh, And leadership is a part of that, too. So certain guys looking to Teddy Bridgewater to be their leader still where he's not even really a part of the team early in the season is just an awkward situation. Well, and that's the thing that I think I I remember the day that he got hurt. The reaction, there was this visceral reaction immediately. I mean, some of it was, yes, we just lost our quarterback, and this is a team that thought it had Super Bowl aspirations. But I think some of it was also, we lost our guy. I mean, like, he is is as well-liked in that locker room as anybody you will find. And and that happened in a a fairly short amount of time. I mean, basically, a season and a half of him being the starter, probably a season and three quarters, I guess, of, of him being the starter, that put him in a spot where this is our guy and everybody believes it. So 
I mean, there is that element too, where it, it had been Teddy's team, it was becoming Teddy's team, and then all of a sudden, you have another guy that's in there, um, you know, kind of sitting in. It, it's this is a weird example, but it's like when Tiffany Amber Thiessen had the the contract dispute on Save by the Bell, so then Kelly Kapowski went away for a little while, and they had that like Tory girl with the, oh, she the was leather jacket. Awful. Like what is this? Tori now was now awful. she's the love of Zach Morris's life. Like yeah, she was a bring Kelly back. She was awful. I mean, you know, so it's you like is it Tori? Is it Kelly? It's like Tori? an alternate universe. I was not a big Save by the Bell person. Oh, she had like man. a Fonzie jacket. It made no yeah, sense. It was strange. The whole character was poorly written. Yeah, Peter she was Engel's like, biggest mistake. By the she way. was trying to like, <laughs> um, you know, be the 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 tough girl that could, could yeah, stand, be talk back to Zach Morris. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. That's a terrible comparison, but. I've seen all, all the shows, so I know exactly. I figured I figured you'd be there as part of the equation, though. College mo- on. moving on from whatever just happened here. Um, <laughs> in the let's talk more about Niger Morgan. Really, is what I want oh, to talk boy. about. But uh, my guy, as as another part of the equation, what you mentioned about the team becoming Teddy Bridgewater's is that Sam Bradford got to be the centerpiece of the offense, and Looks we like saw Kelly Kapowski got to be the centerpiece of Bayside High School. And we saw Adam Thielen emerge as a really good wide receiver as opposed yep. to this confusion with Stephon Diggs wasn't even in the lineup the first couple of weeks in 2015. They're still beholden to Adrian Peterson. Uh, very interesting to me to look at the third down numbers for uh, for Teddy Bridgewater and think, yeah, I wonder how many of those third downs were caused by zero-yard run on first down, zero-yard run on second down, and then here's third and long that Bridgewater has to deal with. Now, he would be in a situation where it's a passing offense, and I would have been really fascinated to see how he would have performed last year, even with the offensive line troubles, because their offensive line was very bad in 2015, too. Yes. So it wasn't that much different, and he has escapability and pocket presence that Bradford does not. So to me, it's a part of the equation of when you're comparing these two as we go forward and down this road, it's like, well... What will Bridgewater be is still what you're asking, whereas with Sam Bradford, I think you have a much clearer picture now after last year. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. This is Jeff O'Brien, attorney with the Loman Abdo Law Firm, with a case in point sidebar. On May 11, 2016, the Defend Trade Secrets Act went into effect. The act extends the current Economic Espionage Act of 1996, which criminalizes trade secret thefts to the civil arena. This means for the first time, trade secret owners can now bring suit in federal district courts without having to resort to another basis for jurisdiction. While not without critics, the act is a major step forward in the protection of intellectual property in the United States, not least because federal law now fully recognizes four types of intellectual property, patents, copyrights, trademarks, and now trade secrets. Minnesota Statutes Chapter 325C also provides a civil cause of action in state court for the wrongful misappropriation of trade secrets. If your business has been victimized by the misappropriation of its confidential information, contact an attorney to determine if you have claims under either federal or state law. This is Jeff O'Brien, attorney with the Loman Abdo Law Firm, with a case in point sidebar. 
Taps Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Paps Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Paps Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. That, to me, is the dichotomy between the two. Is with Bradford, you kind of know. Bridgewater, you're still projecting, okay, what can he develop into? But also, what's he going to be? Is he going to be able to be as mobile? That's that's the big question. Can he move? I mean, does, does, does history hits? of guys who have done what he's done have any indication? And I'm not talking about being able to scramble a lot because yeah. he didn't in the first place. But is he going to come back and be able to use his legs to an advantage at all? Or yeah. are we talking about basically a Bradford clone as far as just having a plant back there? And that, to me, ultimately, to kind of put a, a bow on this topic, is ultimately why this video, it's encouraging, but it doesn't really answer a lot of the big questions. Because to be able to play that position in the NFL, as we all know, is not playing catch in a park. It's being able to throw with a guy coming at you or a guy that's in your face and being able to step up and, and throw from odd angles and throw off balance and basically be able to make plays when you are in suboptimal conditions a, a really lot of the time. Bummer of a question. Yes. That injury yes, sports crunch you made. That injury was so weird. I mean it didn't come through contact. Right. It came basically and it's his left leg. Yep. So he steps he's not planting on his right leg. Right. Um is there any – do you think there's going to be a fear? I mean, do you think they know why it happened? And if they don't know why, do you think there's a fear that that if he gets back into a situation again, not that it's automatically going to happen, but that there is going to run the risk because it's just such a freak thing. Yes. Like if you get – Culpepper got hit by two guys, his knee exploded. I totally get it. It's a yeah. terrible injury. But is there a fear here that you're going to get him rehabilitated back on the field? And that they're thinking, even if there's a 5% chance, oh, my God, every time he steps up, there's just a 5% chance this could happen again. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is was so – I mean, everything about that day was so strange that it's hard to know. And I, I think that's why when you ask them what's the timetable, they still say there isn't one because there's just so many variables yet that you don't – I mean, the, the dislocation part of this is – throws a wrench into the whole process if this is just an acl we know i mean we've got no point with acls where we kind of know it's 12 months a lot of guys can make it back in in 11 i mean if you, if you push it and he certainly probably would have i mean that still puts you if he does it in 11 that puts you in july you still have a chance to get him back on the field and it's a little bit more predictable with this it it adds a lot of kind of moving targets to it so it, it makes the whole thing a lot different more difficult to figure out another guy that had surgery harrison smith had said in january he was not planning to have it uh apparently he had it changed his mind at some point during that process played in the pro bowl on that high ankle sprain that he had at the end of the season but then decided to get it cleaned up uh sources had told adam kaplan and i that over the course of the last few weeks and we were kind of trying to, to firm it up, and uh, our buddy Jeremy Fowler helped us kind of get that done at the owners' meetings this morning. He had he had surgery after the Pro Bowl. Uh, does not sound like it's going to be anything that will keep him out, but it's another guy that, that probably, I would think, misses a decent part of the offseason program, and, and that probably means that there's 
a chance to take a look at somebody else back there. Not that it's going to matter because he's going to be the guy. But, I mean, does that, as you see that, I guess, does the, the benefit of being able to see other guys outweigh the, the fact that you won't have Harrison Smith back there kind of setting the tone for your defense in OTAs, or is it not really even that big of a deal? I don't think it matters that part of it, but what I do think matters is just how bad Jaron Curse and Anthony Harris were when they got yeah. in the game. If you're talking about one player on the defense, you cannot lose. You cannot have him out for a game because yes. it will kill you. It's Harrison Smith. Yep. He is the centerpiece of the defense. He does everything. I loved watching last year on tape how all the different things they would do with him. Mm-hmm. It was like having this kind of utility player in a way, but also Mike Zimmer would set up kind of bait teams into trying to throw toward him. Then they would know they couldn't because he had guys covered so well. I mean, he's, he's just a monster. And the way and he had, would help with, with Odell Beckham, too, where they would run mm-hmm. that, that bracket coverage with him and Xavier Rhodes, it would just... I mean, it, it was Rhodes a lot of times taking guys one-on-one, but they also would do things where they'd put Smith over the top or sometimes they'd put Smith underneath and Rhodes over the top, and people just like, I can't throw over here. And then they've got him blitzing, and then he's yeah. a great run-stopper. Really, and I mean, really just good. all of these things. He is one of the NFL's elite players. Yes. And the drop-off sh- should be big when it's an elite player to a backup. It shouldn't have been as big as it was last year. Yeah. It went from an elite player in the one game he missed to cannot put this guy on the field. And the same thing happened when Andrew Sandejo was out against Chicago. Yeah, when yes. Curse came in and the third play from scrimmage yep. gives up a huge run because he takes a poor angle yep. to Jordan Howard. And then Anthony Harris gets smoked against uh, Indianapolis when Harrison was out. So... I'm looking at the draft. Is there another guy that they should be focused on for safety? Free agency, is there one more player that they can bring in who's been a career backup? I think there has to be another option there unless they really believe Cursor Harris can take the next step. Yeah, I, I think that – I mean, that is interesting because that's always been a position, that second safety spot. We've heard oh, Mike Zimmer talk about how Harrison Smith could be even more dynamic if he was yeah. the right guy next to him and they didn't go get a guy. I mean – Mike Zimmer was at Michigan's Pro Day last week, and he's talked about kind of using that hybrid safety linebacker thing. Mm. Which real peppers do anything for you? Which Smith sort of falls into already, right? A little. I mean, he's I mean, in not the box, entirely, but he can. He can. He's he's tough enough and strong enough to do that. I mean, I think the I think the spots in, in this league now where, where you can very much be that type of player are the safety spot and nickel corner, right? Yeah. I mean, that player can be that player can be a guy who plays part of the linebackers responsibilities part of the corners um but if they if they ever got smith paired with not another necessarily even star but a really good safety i think the ability to switch up those two would create mass confusion for offenses matthew I think Jabril Peppers is very interesting for the Vikings because Mel Kuyper was saying the other day that he's dropping like his stock yeah. is dropping yeah. because teams aren't sure exactly where he belongs He's definitely not a linebacker. Right. He's too small. I mean, he's 220 pounds. Yep. I, mean, I don't think that's a linebacker. And he also gets eliminated from blocks or by blocks too easy on run plays. And as a safety, there's sort of concerns about how well he sees the field, how well he might adjust. And he is fast. I mean, I think he ran a 4 4 yeah. at the combine. That type of player, though, with this defense, with so many pieces in place, I think if you were asking Peppers to be the main part of your defense, you would say, all right, you know, if he was to play Harrison Smith's role. Sure. He does not have the size of Smith. He's six, you know, Smith is 6'2", he's 5'11". Yeah. Doesn't have the IQ maybe of, of Smith, but 
has some playmaking ability and is a, is a, is fast and, and explosive. So he would be perfect to slide into a defense that already has superstars at both defensive end positions, yeah. a superstar nose tackle, in my opinion, good linebacker, at least one of them, Eric Hendricks, Should and then we'll true. we'll see on Anthony Barr yeah. how he bounces back. But oh, shut down all, corner, shut down corner. You got all these other positions. He could slide in and just be kind of a rover and utility player, and it would be really kind of exciting. Is defense in football uh, already going in the direction of basketball offense, where you're just finding? I mean, instead of because we've had for years and years these, you know, this guy is a linebacker. Yes. he's built like a linebacker. This guy is a defensive end. He's built like one. Are we beginning to see? A shift, especially since it's such a passing game now, a shift to say, you know what, let's try things differently. And, and instead of going with with this guy projects out to here because of his because of his body size, yeah. you're saying to yourself, no, this guy can play there because of the the league has trended in a direction where, if nothing else, if you can successfully shut down the pass, you're probably going to win football games. That's an interesting point, and and as soon as you said it, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that because it is getting it's like to that point. Point guards now totally changed, right? Right, and you're at a point where being able to play in the trenches is not as essential as it used to be because it's so much more wide open. So you get guys that, I mean, guys like Anthony Barr, for example, in a four three, you're typically thinking, okay, your linebackers have to be bigger they have to be able to you know fill in gaps inside a little bit more you're not going to have a guy that is a pass rusher type coming from that spot in a 4-3 because your entire pass rush has to come from your defensive line Mike Zimmer basically said no we can make it work with this guy because our system is such that that we have a spot where this guy can rush the quarterback and Eric Hendricks too I mean that's a guy that you would have said he's not big enough to be been a linebacker he's got to have you got to have enough size to go in there and thump people and Said, well, no, we can we can do different things. I mean, whether you whether it's guys that kind of move around and stand up, playing in a four three versus a three four, teams that kind of use both systems. Yeah, I I think it is going to be interesting to see how things evolve because offenses have obviously evolved to a point where you have to keep up with it, and you have enough athletes now that can run when they're two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty pounds that you want to put those guys on the field. You could also, depending on the matchup, if you had a guy like Peppers, you could also mix him in a nickel corner. Yeah. Because as, as of right now, the talk from Zimmer is that they're going to let Mackenzie Alexander battle for the position. Well, we'll see about that. All, all three of us have some serious questions about Mackenzie Alexander just in general as a player. And then we'll see about even moving to a brand. That's a brand new position. Yeah. Nickel corner. That Terrence is... Newman, opening day, nickel corner, $50. I'll put on it right now. $50. $50. $50. Unless they, uh, unless they go out and get another player to do it, $50. I think I'm not they, taking that bet. I think they need competition for him. Yeah. But I also think that when Zimmer really believes in a guy, that he's going to push that, right? Like, if he, if he sees that with Alexander, that he sees the talent and believes he can do it, that he's going to go for it, at, right? I mean... I think maybe yeah. maybe all coaches are like that, but I think Zimmer will sometimes make a move like that because he really believes in a guy when maybe he shouldn't. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I haven't seen that as much from him. I mean, I think it was in the way he worded it was interesting too. He said he's going to get the first shot. He did right. not say he's my guy. Right. Yeah. And True. that may have been one of those things where he's saying, "Well, okay, you're going to get a shot, but you have to show that you can do it, or else we're going to have to go in a different direction." And pay attention this time. Yeah, my way, my way, or you're not yeah, playing. I, I think there was a little bit of I that. 
in the subtext? Because the, the first year that Mike got here in Mankato, he was in Xavier Old's back pocket yes. that entire training camp. Yes, I mean, was. every time you looked, it was, it was like a position coach. You'd look over, and Zimmer should be with the offense or something, and he would be with Rhodes. And it was the damnedest thing. And at the time, you're saying, that's a lot of attention. to did the same thing with Trey Waynes. But you know what? With Rhodes, it worked. Yep. I mean, he took him from... He took him from a guy you said, okay, this guy's okay. He's, you know, he'll probably be fine to really good. Yeah, he's one of the best corners so in the league. So if Mackenzie Alexander is willing to have Mike in his back pocket, it might work then. But if Mackenzie's saying, well, that's not how I usually do things, there, there's going to be a very short patience level with that. Yes, Mike Zimmer doesn't have a lot of patience for that. And the thing is, between Terrence Newman being back, Jerry Gray, who was a pretty good defensive back in the league, has yeah. been a former coordinator, and Mike Zimmer, there, and I think we've said it before, but there is a wealth of resources here for young corners that want to learn. Those guys have to avail themselves of those opportunities. But if you want to go learn the game and learn how to play in this defense, it's hard to find a better set of teachers from at every level, from head coach to position coach to veteran at same position as you. I mean, there's a lot of information to tap into there. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that you couldn't it would be like uh if you were asking a bunch of corners young corners like where would you want to go play first if you had a starting chance it would Mm -hmm. be the vikings because things are just set up so perfectly for you but with so so many questions about alexander i would say get one other guy who can at least compete at that spot now i mean we had talked about nickel roby coleman or a couple of other guys that have since found jobs i brought up darius butler he had done it for a long time with uh indianapolis but he's going back to indy there were guys out there and if they don't bring in anybody else and newman regresses or doesn't want to play that position that's also possible too or doesn't do well at that position at nickel spot it's kind of like he can move into that spot but over 16 games it might be a lot to ask and if they didn't bring anybody else in it's going to be highly questionable i think because then you're going to say well there were enough red flags where you should have had some veteran with some experience playing at that position because there were enough guys out there in free agency who didn't cost a whole lot to bring in. Well, and the film that Mike Zimmer would have watched when he was taking this job and remaking the defense is the film that should serve as the cautionary tale of why you have to have somebody that can play this position. 2013, the train wreck that was Josh Robinson in the slot was a probably a big part of the reason as much as anything else as the quarterback – and some of the just the dynamics in the organization is why Leslie Frazier got fired. That that position that year was a huge issue for them, yep. and it was a, a, a fixable problem if if they had uh, been able to work with Antoine Winfield. All stemming from a hubris that we yeah. can take a player and teach mm-hmm. him. And but now in Zimmer's case, maybe he can. I think, I think his coaching staff probably because Frazier had on it. the 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 Robinson debacle was foisted on Frazier yes. by Spielman yes. and Leslie told him this is a bad idea. I mean, he had they never played the position. To come back. So this might be a case of where Zimmer says I can do it. I'm just it's just such a tough position to yeah, transition to is. and when you already struggled, the one thing that you would really hate to do is give him this job, he fails and you ruin him. Yeah. Cuz you can ruin a player. Well, I'm if, convinced of that. If they play the Packers early, guess who's in the slot? More often than he was last year, Jordy Nelson. Newman will tell him, "Don't worry about a kid. Here's what you do." <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the, I mean, the Packers will, will will stick Jordy Nelson in the slot and try to get that matchup as much as they can. I don't know what you're referencing, Judd. Nothing happened. Ben, do you want to say? Ben, do you want to 
say what I'm talking about? The rogue? I, it's a miscommunication. Come on. I, I, you guys are reaching there's, there's right now. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. No, it's the rogue. They have a great relationship. The Rogue One series is what you're talking about. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love the Star Wars reference. And I don't like I got, Star I got to cross-promote my, uh, my employer. <laughs> the, rogue one, <laughs> the Rogue One series. Uh, what do you guys think they're going to do at right guard? I think Jeremiah Searles gets the first crack at it, and I think Zimmer kind of said I've heard that from a couple of people, and, and Zimmer, I think, said that this week. But, uh, I mean, you think – I mean, they may have to go look at a couple of other options there. I mean, whether it's Joe Berger or maybe signing a guy at some point. I like the idea of Evan Mathis. I mean, he's old, but in his last year that he was healthy, he was still very good. Seems like that's a name that comes up around here every yeah, year, it does. doesn't and it? It's a free agent name that I mean, just... It just... It just makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, yeah. For, yeah. like, five years, he's an elite player at his position. He's got a tie-in here now with Shermer. And yeah, so... It makes a lot of sense to me. He doesn't have a job yet. He could step right in and be your starter, and you're probably a pretty reliable one. If not, I think that might be your 48th overall pick. Yeah. Sure. Do you love Lamp? I do love Lamp, yes. But do you I think, actually love the Lamp, uh, no, or did Forrest you just saying it because you yeah. see it there? No, I do like Forrest Lamp as a pick, but okay. I think he's going in the first round. That would we're be gonna, my guess. We're, that's going to get yes. really old. Run we're Forrest gonna, at, the, at the combine? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to get really tired of the but, I love Lamp there's joke. a few other guys that are kind of that second-round projection. Uh, Dan Feeney, <laughs> Mr. Feeney. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. that's good. Yes. yes. Feeney! Yes. <laughs> Uh, Dan Dan Feeney yeah, from Indiana. He's, references he's an today. interesting another, guy. Another Disney ABC show. Because he could play center and guard. There's a few guys who could play center and guard yeah. that, were, that are kind of intriguing. So <laughs> I think if you went into it with the idea that you were going to have Searles, make sure you have a rookie that's a high pick yeah. that if Searles does not work out there guard because he has basically no NFL experience playing there, yeah. played all last year tackle, then I think you're probably in okay shape. Yeah. Yeah. How about Berger at right guard, and then you bring in what? What's his face? Mangold. At, uh, Nick Eason. Right? Nick, Nick Mangold. No, no, no. I'm saying. No, I'm saying. It did, did they convince themselves that Easton developed enough at center where they could move Berger to right not. guard? I, I mean, I hope not because I went back and looked at it. I didn't think he played very well. I mean, maybe showed some signs, but when you compare right. him to how Berger played at center, it's a yeah. huge drop off there. So you might like Easton's potential, but I think you would say. You better have another very, guy. I'm just very concerned with Bradford, a quarterback, that the head coach already has come out and essentially declared the newly signed left and right tackles are pretty good as far as, as run blocking goes. But yeah. when it comes to pass protection, you just flip a coin. Yeah, He might be was... able to do it some Sundays. Some Sundays Bradford might leave on You talk about Bridgewater. Bridgewater might be playing quarterback in week two. Well, and he, he kind of tried he to. He might decline the invitation. I can't go play. He tried to put a band-aid on that a little bit today but when he got asked about it again. It. I know he said it, he said it at first, and then today it was like, well – they're they're adequate pass which protectors. Be, which do you adequate. believe? Well, I do you believe, believe putting the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Or do you believe when he lets the genie out of the I, bottle? We've seen enough. The the Christmas Eve genie would make me believe that Correct. what comes out the first time is more accurate. Mike Zimmer is the anti uh, PJ Fleck, by the way. He's just like <laughs> PJ Fleck has just got an answer for everything, and it's always positive, always elite, always hype. And Zimmer's like. Yeah, I don't know. They're not that good at pass blocking. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you Mike, love? We just spent what, fifty-two bazillion dollars on them. For Can what you at least meal? Just say they're good. Does Mike Zimmer eat his difficult conversations? Do you think? Wouldn't you love to to be able to put those two in a room together and PJ turn it into a, a reality TV show? You know and what? PJ's if, do, got, if we ever get hard knocks here. PJ Fleck needs to be there for a day yes, at training camp. Oh, it would be that just alone fantastic. would be worth PJ it. PJ with his acronyms and talking about hyper, it, hyper and all this, and <laughs> I'm like, what the bleep are you talking about? Uh, I agree with him though with Reef and Remmers. Yeah. I mean, what I noticed, I watched, 
a whole season of Reef at left tackle. Yep. Because I'm very busy, have lots on my plate. So did the Lions, and, and they took Taylor Decker 16th overall. Yes, they did. <laughs> and well, here's the here's the thing though. The one positive for Riley Reef pass blocking is that he doesn't have to face Everson Griffin. Yeah. Because when he goes up against guys yeah. that are big and strong, yeah. they overpower him. It's quite clear. They just are too tough for him. Speed rushers, he can get there, but powerful guys, eh, not so much. So it is kind of like a huge improvement, but there are still flaws there. Yes, yes. And there will be plenty of uh, interesting Vikings questions to decipher here in the next few weeks as we get closer to the draft it sounded like they were maybe going to sign a couple more guys yet but uh we we certainly are moving in the direction of the draft now being the main focus of the offseason and, and that's uh, less than a month away now so we'll have plenty of of discussion about that in the coming weeks and, and i'm sure there will be more vikings intrigue as we go there always is so uh thanks for listening to this episode we will talk to you soon this holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.